Hey guys, with sports betting season in full force with football here, you need a sports book with integrity and longevity like BetUS. You may already know this, but BetUS has been pioneers in the sports book industry for almost three decades, thriving and paying their loyal customer base. That is BETUS.com, and they have loads of bonuses. Join now or call 1 800 69 BetUS. That is 800 MyBetUS. You receive 125% sign up bonus by using bonus. Bonus code SST125. That's SST125. They have re-up and referral bonuses. Also, BetUS is known among America's favorite sportsbook for lots of reasons. Bet on team and player props, loads of NFL futures, UFC matches, PGA golf, live betting on most sports. The online casino has hundreds of games. The racebooks has all the horse tracks. They have every bet type imaginable. Follow my lead and get your phone, online, and sports betting partner with integrity and longevity like I did. BetUS, you bet you win you get paid bet us right now we're going with the alabama scouting report and we're going with chris landry landryfootball.com is the website Uh, we're gonna see if professor landry uh will put his clipboard out here and give us a little grades on midterm hey chris it's good to see you i hope all is well I am doing well. You know, I am um, not a music connoisseur, but I have noticed the past, I don't know, two or three weeks, the intro music for this hour has changed. It has. And, you know, I don't know, uh, again, much about music, but I sense, I don't know, maybe there's a phone call coming from the football office because my little birdie tells me that that's one of Nick Saban's favorites. <laughs> it is. It that, is. That he, uh, that he plays uh, he and Miss Terry like. So, I don't know. I, I get your angle there, my friend. So, well, okay, we, good. we were throwing out rat poison with that We Are the Champion stuff. And uh, when you lose to Texas A&M, oh. we deleted that song. Uh, because, you know, if you're not at the top of the mountain, you're still trying to climb to get there. Not saying this team are not going to be able to do it. But uh, we took it out. Uh, well, you know, they. I heard that it was something to – a song about wagon wheel that he liked. And I had no clue what that was. And I just put it together this week. I heard it the last two weeks, that, but then I heard wagon wheel. I put two and two together. It takes me a little while, Ryan, but I yeah. got it, man. Well, he, they say that, uh, and he said this before, and he, he's a huge music guy. They said that, uh, one of the things that he gets away when he's just tired of everybody and, you know, being stressed that he's got a room that he goes into and he's got a, somehow all these different speakers and he just cranks it up and just rocks out. So, uh, pretty neat. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a video that if I had, okay, I would, you talk about would be gold would be, you would get views. I don't think anyone has it, but can you picture? Cause it happened and I don't know who was playing. And again, I'm bad at music stuff. Yeah. So am I, but, Bill Belichick and Nick Saban went to, I know, at least a couple of concerts together. And was it I the Rolling I Stones? Really I, I think it was the, was it the Rolling Stones? Because I think he's talked have, about that before. I have no idea. Okay. And I don't know if, you know, Terry and I don't know if this was when he, when he was, when Bill was married to Debbie or I, I, I don't know if it's the two guys gone and whatever. I don't know when or where or what time frame, but can you imagine that if you could see those guys? <laughs> Hey, I wish I had the video because, you know, I would I'd go up and I'd say, all right, coach, we're going to release this video. But if you, uh, you know, 
Uh, yeah, I got you. I got you. That would be that would be really good. But um, well, so anyway, uh, seventy. So, by week time. By it, week. It by is. Week. It is by week time. <clears throat> hey, since we're on Nick Saban here just for a minute, and this week uh, he'll turn seventy years of age. And what I did is I went through several years prior to Nick Saban's arrival, and three and eights, and four and nines, and six and sixes, and six and sixes, and. Nick Saban arrives, and then you look at this 15-year run, you know, it gives us a chance to reflect. He will turn 70. He's not going to coach forever. And he mentioned Lou Saban, or someone, Glenn Gilbo asked him about Lou Saban today and said, you know, when you when he was hired at the age of 80 to coach, you said, there's no way I can see myself at 80 at coaching. And Glenn Gilbo said, can you see yourself coaching? And he said, I got 10 more years left. Uh, you know, jokingly, he said that. But either way, it's – Pretty remarkable what he's been able to do as he approaches 70 years of age. Yeah, I, you know, it's been amazing, of course, you know, um, working with him and, and Belichick, and they're very close in age. It's often kind of, you know, they're, I can remember Bill telling me, <clears throat> well, I sure as heck ain't going to be coaching into my 70s like Marv Levy. Because remember, Marv Levy was, and it's like, and I'm thinking, Bill, you are, you know, you're not there. I mean, you're, you're, you're right there. He's, he's had in that same age bracket, but he's going to be coaching when he's 70. Belichick is as Nick will. Um, Nick particularly is, looks really young. Bill's look like he's aged a little bit more, quite frankly. Um, but both are still in good shape, but yeah, you know, it's, he likes doing it as long as he's healthy. And I just tell folks all the time, people ask me and like, you know, Ryan, in, in, don't we just say this? And I know you, you, you are someone, a man of faith that you know, we need to all be grateful for today. Cause we're not guaranteed tomorrow in any life. You know, if you're an Alabama fan in, enjoy what you got because it's not going to be forever. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And you know, when you get to 70, you know, that they're, there are more days that you're going to look back on than you're going to look ahead. That's just life. So, um, I don't know, instead of worrying about that, just say, Hey, it's another day and let's see where we go. And heck, I don't, I don't have any idea. And usually when, when sicknesses or age hits you, it, sometimes it comes in stages, but sometimes it comes overnight. It's really bad. So let's hope and pray. And you know, we lost, I'm sure you, you may have talked about it, but we lost Jolie Dunn last night. Uh, from right there, you know, an Alabama native from, I think it's Ozark, Alabama. And he just makes you, and I, Joe, Joe was, I believe, right about 80-ish or something. So we're, yeah, a lot of those guys that are kind of, some of them when I came up with that they're, they're getting up at that age where we need to appreciate every day and what he's done and what every day can bring. But, you know, I, I go back to something Nick Saban has said, but uh, I remember A.J. McCarron telling me in an interview with the expectations, and he said, you know, when you create – this was like three championships ago. He said, when you create this, um, you know, it's a monster. But then you have to deal with that. And, you know, it's almost unfair. I mean, it's unreasonable what we expect in Tuscaloosa, but because when you win six national titles and you win a – all the games and the SEC titles, the expectations comes with it. I mean, it's the same thing in New England. They're not celebrating divisional championships. It's all about a Super Bowl for those guys. And I got to tell you, uh, I'm not saying it's easy to take a bad program and, and turn it around, but that's a lot easier than sustaining it. Because, look, when it's bad, if you think about it, when it's bad – 
there's a lot of things you can go and fix. I mean, it really can. You know, you, you can you can because they're not doing it well. There are things you can turn it around and fix it. But sustaining it or getting it better and better, that's the challenge. When the expectation is there no margin for error and you've got to meet that, that's really, really tough. Um, you know, I, just I've noticed a lot like in the NFL and in, in history, when you've got a team that's one or two or three wins, it's not that difficult, believe it or not to get it to where you can win seven games. But going from seven to nine, boy, that is so tough. And then getting it that, and then sustaining it, college is different. At a major program, there are a lot of resources that you have that you can tap into. But think about it. Very few programs sustain at a very, very high level. And the ones that do, they don't win championships every other year like Alabama averages. I mean, they're winning like – I mean, the next best program – in recent history has been Clemson because they've won two. I mean, they're in a – right now, they're collapsing. They've fallen in there, can't get up in, in Clemson this year. And so it just goes to show you how difficult it is. And that's why I tell folks like that are Georgia fans, appreciate what you got. You're consistently good. You know, the fact that you haven't won it all, look, it's more difficult to be consistently good. To be consistently good and to be championship good, this is this is unprecedented. We've we've really not seen this with rare exception. You know, Bud Wilkinson at Oklahoma. We saw Miami have a run with different coaches. Um, but what what's going on right now is really really special, and it is very very difficult. People think, oh, that's easy. Honestly, you just the expectation if you're a fan of expecting a win every week. Well, that's pretty easy, but to do it. To sustain, we just talked about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago was, well, some of the issues on the defense are not quite as good. We went through, even as good as they recruit, some of the misses that they've had. Misses meaning guys that just are not in the program anymore. It is so easy to slip from the top. I mean, it is so easy to slip from the top. I mean, it is greasy on a bunch of banana peels. I mean, it's just easy, easy to just slip a little bit. To just have two or three losses, easy, just, just a, not just a hair difference. Yet, you know, to stay there as consistently as he does, it's impressive. And yet, we're looking at it and trying to figure out: is this team good enough to win the national championship? And right now, it doesn't look like it is. But you know, there's not many teams that are. If there, if there's a, a team that's better, there's maybe only one or two that's better, if that. So that goes to show you. You know, the, the, the standard, and if the standard is, well, you weren't as good as last year, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, Ryan, and not every team's going to look the same, I'm telling you. It never does. All right. So, I, w- I, want to, I wrote that down, what you just said, that, that they need to improve. But let, let's go back, because we always do this, and I'm, I'm 11 minutes into the conversation. I have not asked you to look back at the Tennessee game. Uh, Alabama scored 28 points and kind of – I don't want to say skewed because, you know, you play four quarters for a reason. Uh, but they did mm-hmm. score 28 points and really stretched that lead out. What did you see from this Alabama-Tennessee uh, game? What was your analysis? Well, I, until the very end, it was, you know, a little sloppy in some respects. Or, 
you know, not as crisp as you would like. I saw, obviously, some mistakes on defense getting lined up a couple of times. And, boy, if you, you are just a hair late getting lined up against that Tennessee offense, we kind of warned it, right? They're, they're, there you go. There's a touchdown. <laughs> not even lined up. Well, that can happen. Those count. Um, you know, the secondary had a few missteps and gave up some plays. Uh, I thought defensively they had lapses of moments, but but also played pretty well offensively. You know, I, I thought Bryce Young kind of carried the team in a lot of ways with his legs, with his with big plays. You know, when I watched him and you look at it, it was the big plays that he was able to create with his teammates, of course, but he he really led that. I, I, I don't think they ran it well enough or was committed enough to it as I'd like to see. You know, they you've got Robinson and Williams. They combined for 136 yards on 34 carries. So when you look at it and say, well, yeah. but, but in the meat of the game, I thought maybe there was some, you know, certainly at halftime there maybe was maybe a little bit missing in terms of the commitment. To, I, I think there's improvements to be made in the running game. And I saw that in this game. I thought there were some drops in the first half. I mean, I thought that, that continues to be an issue that probably made the game a little bit closer um, than it maybe could have been, should have been. And I want to give Tennessee a lot of credit. I thought Tennessee was aggressive on defense, played hard. But, you know, I still think, you know, Alabama's maybe a little bit better than they showed. And at the end, you know, I thought they were able to just kind of finish it off. But that game was a lot closer than the final score indicated. I mean, if you didn't watch the game, you know, the folks that are listening to this show did, but a lot of people around the country think, ah, ho-hum, Alabama dominated the game from start to finish. That was not the case. They, I thought, left a lot to be desired on the field. But, um, you know, I think there's plenty of room for growth, Um, you know, even though they were able to finish it and kind of control the game. Why that is, don't know. Why some of the lapses, I don't know. They're continuing far enough to be – a concern and to be something, Ryan, that we'd say, is this part of the identity of this team? What is the issue? And I'm wondering, and I'm going on here, but there's one more point I want to make. Is something that I noticed that was a little bit different about Nick in that he was more about wanting to compliment his team than he normally does after a win, and he wasn't pointing it out. It tells me that there's something about this team that's not quite what it normally is. And I'm wondering because of that, knowing Nick as well as I do, if there's a confidence problem with this team, meaning, you know, everybody's focused on, Oh, their head's too big and they can't do that. And Nick's kind of said, Hey, yeah, yeah. You can't always be when we lose a game that that's, that's what he needs to happen before we change. But I'm wondering if there's a little bit of a confidence issue because all the comments he made after the game was more a sign of building his team up. It was almost as if they lost the game. That's kind of how he does it. You know, after you lose, build off of what's good because the team is down. It's almost like the team is kind of down on how they're playing and he's trying to build them up. I don't know. It's an observation that I had. No, and and you know what? I I shared a similar observation, and you and I have not spoken until this time. I said the same thing earlier uh, this week because it was just, you know, and and I love – you know, when, when you do radio in Tuscaloosa, you build a relationship with a lot of players. Uh, you cover them as recruits. Then you watch them for three or four years. 
Then they go to the NFL, and sometimes you feel like that you're their, their connection back to Tuscaloosa. Uh, I got about three messages after Josh Job didn't get off the line of scrimmage and blowed that play and said, you know, I, I kind of watched Coach a little bit, and, I mean, he was upset, but, like, he said, I'm telling you, man, uh, I, I would have probably, like, you know, went up under the ground after that play. And it, it, Nick Saban has changed over the course of time, but, you know, it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a mistake. And he went into the press room and said – he kind of took it on the coaches a little bit. Now, he does that. He'll deflect away from the players to get them negative attention. He said, you know, we, we kind of didn't get that call in on time. And he said, we tried to simplify things on the defensive side of the football. And I was like, wow, he's really deflecting off of a, a pretty crucial mistake. But um, did you see anything in there? I mean, did- yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing that jumped out at me is, man, it was the secondary. And you know where he lives. Sure. Practice. I mean, he he. he those of that are that are not at practice regularly and I know you see clips and whatnot he's everywhere and he's involved in everything but it's like his you know it's it's his his uh, pet project with that secondary and so to have them make mistakes and not get the calls in it's almost as if look we we're giving them too much they're not real confident they're confused so maybe there is something to the effect of he's trying to build up the confidence and that's what he does if you notice when when things are down, that's when he builds them up. When things are good, that's when he knocks them down to get their, you know, to not too big for their britches. And so this just this speaks to, hey, look, we're throwing a lot at him. We're trying to run this this defense, but you know, some of the calls, some of the situations, you know, um, that's on us. Uh, we need to be a little bit more patient with them. Um, I, I, that's what I sense. There's no question. I don't know if that's right, but that's what I sensed. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com. Let me also ask you about the, uh, cause it's been pointed out to me by multiple different people. And, uh, uh, I talked to a all American defensive back and he said, one of the areas that, that this defensive back, this secondary is, is just getting their head turned around, uh, trying to look for the football. Uh, I know, Jacob and I discussed this yesterday here on the show. Where does that – because that problem seems to have creeped up on Alabama a little bit. I mean, they've got called for a few – quite a few pass interference, but, I mean, they're not getting their head turned around. Yeah, we we have the term we call stay in phase, which, okay. you know, is – that's when you basically are mirroring the receiver. The receiver turns, you're turning with it. The, re, the receiver moves his hands up, you move up. The receiver – moves his head and eyes, you move with it. They're not staying in phase. Um, that's a technique issue. That is a bit of an instinctual issue. And so at this stage, you would expect that to get a little bit better. But you're right. They're a tad late on making plays on the ball because, you know, they're in position in coverage, but they don't make plays on the ball. And that's the thing that you've got to – you always have to break down what the problem is. Sometimes you're not in good position. Your coverage is not right. Sometimes you're in really good coverage, but you don't stay in phase and you don't play on the ball well. This team has had their share of both issues, but the staying in phase part is the one that's most problematic and has caused them some issues – in terms of penalties and mistakes. So I think that um, I think that's that's what I see. And I do think that that may be part of, again, 
being patient with them because they're not they're not quite getting there and we've got to get them better and we got to work with them and I'm curious to see this is going to be pivotal this week I mean it's it's pivotal getting healthy and recruiting that's what everybody does but in terms of you get time to work on yourself so you can work extra time on you now they're going to give guys off and give them the rest that they need but give them some things to work on because I think going, going forward, they're going to have to be better. I will say this. I don't see a team on their schedule that can throw it as well and challenge you in coverage as well as this team that they just played. I mean, even Georgia, we will see. That's a that's maybe a different challenge, but certainly the rest of the schedule. Maybe Georgia, and certainly if they were to play somebody like Ohio State, but the rest of the way. So I, I think that we'll see how well they do. But, I mean, who's going to really challenge them in the passing game um, nearly as much? Now, that's not – that doesn't matter. It's how well you play. But I think the results may be a little bit different going forward relative to who they play, LSU – uh, Arkansas is not as good with that. Auburn's their receivers are playing better, but that's not a strength. So I'm curious to see how much better they can get, even though the results not, might not be as good as how much better can they be staying in phase. That's Chris Landry. I'm Ryan Fowler. This is the Alabama Scouting Report. If you want to get in, you're welcome to do that at 205-342-9904. The last half, we'll take some phone calls if you'd like to chime in. I've got a lot of questions that Chris has even generated here. I've wrote down a ton of notes uh, as we get things started. LandryFootball.com. If you love football, you're going to love LandryFootball.com, where they break down from a scout, a coach, an administrator, offering a lot of analysis, uh, the way that he sees the game. We're also going to ask some uh, because we do have a little bit of bye week here, and we're going to spend a time, a little time talking about some of these Alabama guys in the NFL and what he sees from the quarterbacks. We'll do that. We'll continue right here. younger i mean when i say younger um 20 years plus younger like i mean probably 25 younger so um i so when they play like some of the old stuff i, I kind of get energized a little bit so it's it's, it's me too yeah well, me too now, yeah, now, kinda, now, that's an oldie an yeah. oldie but a goodie yeah yeah but sometimes they play this new stuff and i just um i tolerate it i i, I don't i, I just kind of I'm learning. I'm I'm expanding <laughs> my uh, music uh, database. So I like it. Like you and I talked about earlier, we're not very music people, but uh, uh, I guess I know what I like, and uh, it's it's. I'm learning. I'm learning. But anyway, let's uh, 
Let's, let's go to a couple of different things. Um, give me some grades, because today we're grading the offensive side of the football. A lot of people have asked about Bryce Young. 26 touchdowns, three interceptions, 2,453 yards total. Uh, if you would have told me that this would be the numbers at the midpoint or the break between the bye week, uh, I don't know if I could have picked this. Uh, he's, he's, he's exceeded my expectations. Uh, same here. Uh, no question. And you know, people, you know, we use a different grading scale. I won't use that because the numbers won't make sense to people just because not because they won't understand it, but it, but that, you know, using a great, I'd give them an A, solid A too. I mean, just as I said, even last week, kind of taking it to a different level, um, running the football when they needed him to. Um, the, the guy is is so calm um, under pressure, recognizes blitz pressure, and look, I'm I'm going to tell you, we've talked about some of the pass protection issues. He's helped cover some of that up a little bit too getting the ball out quickly. And, and let's remind that is this is a good receiving core. It's not like the one they've, they've had before. Could you imagine? I, I just – numbers are one thing. They don't tell the whole story. Um, the numbers are good. They tell one story. The film's even better. When you're talking about making good decisions, he does that very, very well, like someone you would expect – years older he's you know when they told me and i watched the kid coming in they they told me over there that this kid's a little unusual in terms of his leadership and his poise um i know what they mean he is well advanced i i he's the he's been the the biggest positive to me on the entire offense where is the area that you think on that side of the football because we've talked a lot about defenses side of the ball we, we do spend some time on the offensive side of the football but uh, this offensive line has taken a beating at times here from a local perspective. I, I I know that they're probably not where they want to be, but I think it's even going back to last year when you have Leatherwood and Deontay Brown and Landon Dickerson. You take those three guys out, I mean, they're not going to be as good as last year. They're not going to win the Joe Moore Award. Uh, how do right. you evaluate this offensive line? Yeah, I think it it uh, it's a concern for them, and it should be. Um, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable against – certainly the highest level, but even teams that uh, you would feel they could handle, it's not been easy. Um, Every time I watch it, like a game like at Tennessee, I keep thinking, man, this is going to have to, for Alabama's sake, it's going to have to be a lot better because I cannot imagine this offensive line blocking that Georgia defensive front and having success. That's not going to look good, which is why they've worked some of the tight ends in both the run and pass game. Um, yeah, you know, and it's, we've talked a little bit about it. Uh, guess young guys are not ready. Um, we couldn't, shouldn't assume that, you know, everybody can come in and start as a true freshman. That's difficult to do very difficult in the offensive line, but the fact that there's a little bit of a gap, you know, you wonder where's that red shirt sophomore tackle. That's a really good right tackle. You know what I mean? That why is it? That's that's maybe part of okay, well, they lost a bunch of guys and not everybody behind them were quite ready to come in and be what they expect them to be at Alabama. Comparatively speaking, they're not bad by any stretch. They're just by Alabama standards in terms of winning a title that would concern me the most on the offensive side. And yet they're scoring a ton of points as much as anybody in the country, but they're working around that. I just think that you can work around it so much during the regular season. 
but looking forward, I would have a I would have a concern about this offensive line, and <clears throat> I'm curious to see where it goes. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I see it right well, now. Well, looking at at some of the positions, you, you know, I, I've watched Nick Saban enough. He's going to play the very best player. I mean, that's what he's always done. Whether mm-hmm. it's a guy that's 26 and two, and he pulls him, put him on the bench, and puts another quarterback in, or whatever. So when I look at that. I know there's a lot of five stars here, but obviously they're just not ready to play. Correct. <clears throat> That's what, you know, and, and look, so, all right, so why are they not ready? Well, you know, it's not that they're not good or they're not smart sure. or whatever. You're absolutely right. He's going to play the best guys. And we've seen through freshman offensive linemen play not very often. Though. It's just difficult to get to play a guy that quick. It's just a lot to learn. So it tells me those young guys are not ready. Now, the issue is why are they not ready? Well, is it just – is it something – is it too complex with their teaching or is it more of they just – they're young. And so my, my thing is not so much with what they're teaching, how they're teaching, or the fact that, oh, those guys should be ready. No, they shouldn't. My, my question is why isn't that – again, I repeat, that guy that's that redshirt sophomore type of guy that is – ready to be a maybe not an all sec player but a really really good right tackle why is it that you're having to 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 work with what you have and hold on the best you can that's just not typical alabama but but it it just goes to show you that even the best sometimes through attrition you don't have it's not the same every year and so that's what i see and that's the biggest concern that i have yeah they're definitely going to play now i've been curious to see are any of those younger guys going to be able to play later in the year? I, I would say that they're not going to be a huge factor the rest of the way because, like you said, they'd be playing significant snaps or at least some snaps if they were ready. Chris, I, I've got two questions that are coming in, and, and, and one question that I was actually going to ask uh, that, that came in. Let me ask you about Bryce Young in helping that offensive line. Um how much of the blocking assignment is on him uh, assigning responsibility? Uh, is some of that, I'm mean, not saying all of it, not saying 50%, I mean, but it is, can he help that offensive line out with some of that? Because it, it does seem like that at times they're, they're, they're a little bit confused maybe in some of their blocking assignments. Because uh, Well, it's, it's a great question. And the, the, the answer is that they're not, Bryce as advanced as he is, you know, is not the ideal guy this age to set the protections. Sure. And you want to do that on the offensive line. But and that's not a knock on him. I mean, you see that in the NFL. I mean, young guys, sometimes you let the center call the protections. But when you get up to the age of, you know, where you're experienced, the quarterback, you like to do that. What I think Bryce is doing exceedingly well, though, is. A, he can move pretty well, and B, he's recognized the blitz pressure. So basically, there's an unblocked guy. He's getting the ball out quickly, and he's seeing it quickly. So that's where he's really having an effect, not so much setting the protections, but being able to recognize where some of the pressures are coming from and finding the hot read quick. That's significant because you should not take that for granted out there, folks, because that's where a lot of times I see it at, at, at all different levels where sometimes guys don't find it quick enough. And it's it's all about timing. It's all about you might see it, but if you see it too late and the blitz pressure is coming at you, you, you 
you know, blows up the play. Um, you know, and he's doing a really good job with that. I think also running some of the sprint out stuff, which they don't do a lot, but, but basically what they do is he'll run now, at least he did last week out of the, you know, a play won't develop and maybe the, the, the read is not perfect or the guy doesn't win on his route and he can run with the football. And I think we're going to see him do a, a little bit more of that as needed. And that's where I think he can help out probably more than just setting the protections which, you know, I thought in this game, I it was – the protections was pretty adequate at times. But, you know, when Tennessee ran some of their stunts, um, you know, you're having some of the issues there. You know, and, you know, with Dalcourt and, um, and Cohen, I believe, that that's where it was the biggest, biggest issue there. And so I think it's the combination of the two. Like, if you had a veteran quarterback – you might be able to set the protections. If you had certainly a, a more experienced, productive offensive line, you probably could you could be a little bit better with that as well. But that that to me is the biggest problem I see with them right now. Let's stop right here and we'll talk to Landry football or we'll talk about Landry football. We're talking to Chris Landry. Uh, Chris, let's talk about the website and then we'll break it and we'll come back. I got to hit some other things around college football and uh, we'll try to go on a little bit of a uh, you know ask some questions. We got some other Alabama things that we want to talk about, but let's talk about LandryFootball.com, the comprehensive coverage that you guys are able to offer. Well, we appreciate it. Very simple. Go to LandryFootball.com. It's the hub center of what we do. You can get all the podcasts like this one. If you're joining us late and you want to go back and listen to it, we'll have that up for you so you can. All of the podcasts, all the video casts, TV shows, everything we got up there for you, as well as all the behind the film room breakdowns behind the paywall. Very, very affordable, less than $10 a month. It's cheaper than that if you get it on a year membership. The breakdowns of all the teams, all the games by conference. We do it in the NFL as well. Uh, news and notes every day. We got it all for you at Landry Football. So check it out. We think you'll love it. Uh, with the coaching search stuff, we've, we are on top of all of it. That's what we do for you. It's like having your own scouting or coaching department at your disposal for less than a magazine subscription. And that is LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com. You can also subscribe, as you said, to the podcast. The social networks is always a great option when you look at our great friends there. It is Chris Landry. We'll continue with more of the Alabama Scouting Report. We're going to expand a little bit and go outside of the SEC. We'll also ask about some of the SEC matchups. That's next. scouting report and we talk a lot of alabama crimson tide football and uh, we'll always take your uh, comments if you want to chime in or if you want to tweet at us we got a lot of questions coming in uh let's go to georgia before we go outside of the sec what's the latest with jt daniels what what have you heard what can you tell us and uh, as they prepare for this season i know stetson bennett has, has been a game manager mm-hmm. for them but uh, um where are they with jt daniels Do you, can you give us anything there yeah they they say that JT has been um, cleared medically, that that he's cleared and he's fine 100%. 
And if he is, that's good for them. Um, he can certainly, if they get into, have to play from behind or get into sem- a semi shootout, which they want to avoid, but they certainly have more explosive playmaking capabilities with him. Stetson can bring a little mobility, a little bit more mobility. And, you know, the other thing is, is all those weapons. I mean, they're not, they're playing with backup receivers with all those injuries, but as it relates to JT, I don't know how much you'll play this week. I don't know who's going to start. Kirby's not going to say it. I wouldn't, I don't blame him. I wouldn't sure. say it either, but I'm curious to see how much he plays against Florida Saturday and how much they play him, And then how he comes out of that, Ryan, meaning because that lat could be something that's just aggravating. I think it obviously helps them a great deal. If they go into say the conference championship game and you know, if they get that far and I think they will in the playoffs, if they have both of them and, and if they can go to either one, that's the problem. People say, Oh, well you got, no, the problem is when you don't have one, when you got two, that's a good problem to have. Uh, I look, I think they're so good that they don't need him relative to their schedule, but they could certainly use him and likely will need him and potentially will need him come playoff time, conference championship and playoff time. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Ole Miss-Auburn's another key matchup in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, When you look at this game down in Lee County, Ole Miss traveling to Auburn, uh, what do you see Saturday evening? Well, I see an Ole Miss team that's playing well on offense um, outside of being basically shut out for the most part against Alabama. They're playing well. Uh, Corral has been real effective running the football. Uh, Not as much this past week as two weeks ago against Tennessee, where he ran for 200 yards, phenomenal, over 30 carries. Um, That's the thing that's a little bit different about this Ole Miss offense is that Corral will run it more than even than than he did last year in in situations. It, It looks like the Ole Miss defense is better. How much better? I mean, let's just call it like it is. Um, You know, LSU wasn't nearly the type of test. And and I thought LSU outplayed Ole Miss for a quarter. Um, I think Auburn will challenge him a little bit. I think Auburn will try to run the football. And I'm curious to see how Ole Miss gets off blocks and gets off the field because Auburn can't win this game in a shootout. They've got to control the football, got to limit Ole Miss's possessions. I am very intrigued by it. I think Auburn's very capable of playing with Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is good. They're getting more and more confident. But can this uh, Ole Miss team go 11-1? and one? That's that's what's going to be interesting. That That's a what a phenomenal season that would be for them. But they got to get by this one. They got to get by A&M. Um, those are the two big hurdles, I think, to, you know, because we – we could be easily talking about 11-1 or 9-3 and just like that. And I think this game is going to be a part of that. Chris, I, w- I would like to go um, to the Big Ten for just a couple of minutes. Um, their moment in the sun is this week. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of, um, you know, great football games this week. Uh, but let's start with a big one. Uh, when you look at Michigan and Michigan State, for one, do you believe uh, that those are real contenders uh, in, the, in the, you know, the, the conversation of, of being you know big time football teams and, and a chance to win a championship i mean do you see those guys as, as pretenders or contenders pretenders i think they're good football teams they're not playoff caliber teams okay um i don't think the winner of this game is headed towards the playoffs i don't think either one of these teams can beat ohio state um 
I, I see that, um, it, you know, a couple of things with Michigan State. They like are like Wake Forest, Arkansas, the other teams. They have a, a number of what we call the super seniors, the guys that decided to come back in the COVID year and transfer portal guys. They have hit big time. The back from Wake Forest is outstanding that, that's at Michigan State. It's a really good team. I think Thorne is very underrated as a quarterback. This Michigan defense is pretty good. They're pretty salty, particularly up front. Aiden Hutchinson is a high first-round pick. Both of their ends are good. I don't think they make enough plays in the passing game. Um, I think it's a good game. I think it's a defensive-oriented, low-scoring game. Um, and, and, look, I'm excited to watch it, and I'm excited for both teams. Uh, but neither one of these teams are playoff caliber in my mind. Now, I don't see four playoff caliber teams, I'll be honest with you. Right now, I only see three. Um, but in terms of the fourth team, neither one of these two are them. We're talking to Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Um, you know, when you when you look at this, I mean, can you see a way that Cincinnati's not there? I mean, like when you look at their schedule, I mean, yeah, anything can happen. But if you look at it, it's a pretty manageable schedule here. When you look at uh, the Bears – cats there in cincinnati i'm curious to see where the committee will have them on tuesday night it's the first one but i'm curious to see i don't know if they'll have them at two or not here's my thoughts first of all you always have to look you can look at schedules okay and hit that that's what people are going to look at you play who you play you don't have really any say so to, to a certain degree about who you play the film tells me an awful lot, even if it's not against a great team. This is a good Cincinnati team. They're good on defense. Ryan, they've got a couple of players in their secondary that are going to be really good NFL players. They play hard. They're well coached. They're physical. The quarterback's good. They've got weapons. This is a good football team. They did not look particularly well against Navy. Well, they're held to a higher standard. They're probably supposed to, in most people's eyes, blow out everybody. And I think they'll run the table. Uh, they're going to have to run the table. With that said, um, it, it, it it really depends upon – so who that – for right now, to me, um, Georgia looks better than anybody. Alabama – Ohio State looks really good. They are definitely a playoff-looking team. I think Alabama, even though they're not to where Alabama standards are, I think they're a playoff team. So who's the fourth team? I mean, Oklahoma's flawed. But an unbeaten Big 12 champ is going to get, and I'm not saying that Oklahoma is going to be unbeaten. I'm saying if they are, hmm, that that's probably going to trump Cincinnati. I'm guessing. I don't know, but I'm guessing that it will. I don't think Oregon's going to run the table, but if they do, it's then you got them and you got the Ohio State situation. Do they both make it and Oklahoma's out and they beat out? I mean, I think Cincinnati gets in, Ryan, if there's not a real option. Um, I think it does matter. How about this? I don't think Wake Forest is going to run the table. I think they're going to lose one. But take Wake Forest's schedule, take their schedule, and take the black or gold helmets, because they use both, and put a orange helmet with a, with a tiger paw on it and a 13-0 Clemson team with that schedule. Would they get in? The, the, the answer is yes, they would. Because of perception. Now, I don't think Wake Forest is good enough to get in, and I don't think they're going to make it, and I think they're they're 
they'll have a loss, maybe two to prove it before it's all said and done. But I think there's a little bit of an unknown. I don't think there are four teams. And by that mere fact that – and look, if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia, they've got two losses, I, I, I'm going to count them out. So, I mean, now all of a sudden you're trying to figure out, well, where do you go? I mean, like right now I eliminate a number of teams, but at some point you got to rally back and say, well, whoa, 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 hold on. <laughs> we got to get one of them in because we need four. I, I, that's how I see it right now. I just – I don't see four playoff caliber teams – uh, and that includes Cincinnati. I don't. I don't think. I'm not saying Cincinnati doesn't deserve it. I don't think. I would not put them in the category of Alabama, or Ohio State, or Georgia. I, I would not. Final couple of minutes here, Chris, and then we'll get you out of here. Here on the Alabama Scouting Report, let's go to the NFL. Um, when you look at quarterbacks from last year, and you look at Matt Jones, it seems like. Um, you know, I know you said that you love the fit. I mean, we, if we go back and we replay the interviews back when he was drafted, I mean, he seems to be shining out of all these rookie quarterbacks. No doubt about it. And, look, this is a good team. It's got a good running game. But he's a good decision maker. He sees the field well. And that's why it's a good fit. Yeah, he's got some physical limitations. But, you know, like if you take it like Justin Fields – you know, he's in a team that's not as good, but, but Chicago's not a bad team. But they are really restricted what they can run with them because he's not real seasoned in the passing game. He's an athlete that they really need to be running more RPO stuff with them, but they're trying to groom him as a pro quarterback because you can't live by RPOs all, uh, you know, alone. You know, it is – you look at what Mac is doing, and it's a byproduct of coaching. It's a byproduct of his ability to take coaching, his ability to understand it, his ability to see, make decisions. He's not without flaws, but I'm telling you, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. That's what's really good about it. So he's – from the neck up, he's outstanding. And, you know, um, you look at a team like um, – I think about this a good bit. Um, as it relates to Mac Jones, San Francisco. Now, San Francisco's beaten up, and they got all sorts of injuries, but Trey Lance has some upside ability. But they got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's limited as a veteran, and you got Trey Lance. And, and I'm wondering if if they had a do-over, they wouldn't admit it, that they might think, hey, you know what? Mac Jones might have been a really good fit for us because I think he could have made a difference. I, I know the Patriots are, you know, Bill's just thrilled to have him. On the flip side of that, on a on a negative uh, involving an Alabama quarterback, uh, Tua coming back uh, had a chance to, to to win the game, and 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 the defense kind of let him down, and Atlanta drove down the field and uh, was able to uh, to find points. Uh, Tua evaluate his performance. Look, here's the thing with Tua. I said it when he was coming out, and I'll say it again. There's nothing about Tua has changed. Um, You've got to give him a clean pocket to work from, okay? And the offensive line has not been good. They've been down three receivers, and they've worked around that pretty effectively. And, you know, the defense has been very sporadic. Look, he can make plays from a clean pocket. Now, look, if you can get a dynamic quarterback and if if Deshaun Watson can get by his legal issues and they want to trade for him, look, I, you know, I don't know. Certainly, if you take – you're just talking football. Deshaun Watson's got some – 
he's got some physical skills that can he can put his team on his back and be outstanding. But Tua's not Mac Jones in terms of seeing the field. But I got to tell you, Tua is accurate, and I still think he can be a quality starting quarterback. But, you know, if you're going to be a guy, and, and I don't care who it is, you're going to struggle with a bad offensive line. But particularly, if you took a bad offensive line and you put a Mac Jones, you put two in it, it's, it's going to look bad. It's look real bad. So I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know about his future in Miami. Certainly, if they make that move, he's got a future in this league. He does. You just got to – you've got to put – better players around him you give him a clean pocket you can talk about giving him weapons all you want ryan but you know you can have all sorts of weapons you're not getting into those 20 yards routes if you can't pass protect you don't have time for those routes to develop so i think it's a miami problem as much as it's um, a, a, a tua problem but if you're trying to get a quick fix and turn it around well i can see why they're trying to go for the superstar quarterback that might be able to carry the team a little bit more I, I don't. I, it shouldn't reflect as badly on Tua as it's going to be reflected from a PR standpoint, in my view, anyway. It's Chris Landry. It's LandryFootball.com for all the great information. When we talk about LandryFootball.com, LandryFootball.com, if you're looking for all the NFL, the college uh, a scout, an administrator, a coach, understands the way that the game works, the inner uh, workings there. Uh, Chris, I always enjoy the conversation. It's always great to be able to talk to you. And this hour flew by on the Alabama Scouting Report. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it is. Thank you. Enjoy your your week. You're going to watch football this week, or take some time away from it, or what you doing? Hunting, or is it hunting? No. Well, I'm I'm not I'm not a bow hunter, but um, my wife has got a. Oh, let me tell you something. Worst thing they ever created for. Uh, women <laughs> is home and garden TV. Okay. Oh yeah. Yes. I see that when I go to the doctor. Yeah. Well, That's they always they on re- the TV. They rebuild the houses in thirty minutes. Okay. They tear down a yes. house and rebuild it, and most time they do it with a dress and heels on. Okay. My yes, wife I, feels I love, like I love how they do that. By yes, the way. my yeah. wife feels like she can attack some of these projects, and uh, I'm during the, the bye week. I'm, so that, yeah, be good. I'm, I'm, bye I'm the laborer. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we are scraping a popcorn ceiling, if that just tells you anything. So, oh, oh, okay. Well, well, good luck with that. I'll be thinking about you when I'm watching games. Oh no, I'm gonna and, be and, I'm gonna be watching games, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be guiding. Uh, uh, I'm praying for a way out of this. Uh, I'm uh, so so. Uh, I'm I'm looking for alternatives. So you never know. I may gotcha. I may just not go home on Saturday. I may just go to. <laughs> <laughs> well, have a good one anyway, every everybody, and we'll talk to you next week, Ryan. Thank you, Chris. Have a great one, man. Thank, Thank you. you.